this one goes to my best friend, Fernanda. Fernanda, I know you're not listening because you don't like true crime, but this song is like us in 2008. You don't know the song? Can you speed this up and make me sound like a robot? Com outro alguém do seu lado Alguém que te faz sorrir Okay, you know. That was 2008. Emo me. Guys. For you. I can't believe I am going to say this. But it's finally here. Episode 50. Carol's. Can we play those, those like church songs that they play in like horror movies whenever the ghost is coming? Oh! Like, right here. Dude. First of all, I cannot believe we made 50 episodes out of this. Right? Congratulations, Congratulations us. Congratulations to us. And to you, if you listen to all the f- 50 plus hours of us talking. It was just my mom. Let's be realistic. <laughs> that was the only person who listened to all of it. No. But, like, you still... I mean, I've been talking about my big case and my big case for... A year now. Yeah. Guys, this was the first case I wrote down on our idea folders. Like, when Steph approached me to do this, this is all I could think about, this case. And I waited a whole year. So you guys are welcome. Yeah. So this is my... I think, I mean, I'm going to try to, like, wait until the end of this episode. To I mean, I am going to wait until the end of this episode to talk about, you know why this case was so interesting to me and like like why it's my big case you know i want to present the case first but i am a mixture of sad and excited because you know this i don't know i kind of i kind of don't want to do this case honestly but we are because it's 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 a case that that's so much to it you know the the death and the murder itself, but also like the societal factors that play into it and how everyone's involved on it. Like So yeah, today we're talking about the uh death of Iluapimito. Yeah. We didn't introduce ourselves. That's true. I Carol. And I'm Stephanie. And this is Asperia, a true crime podcast, episode 50, Carol's Big Case. Wow. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. And just like as a, um, like, just to give my two cents, because I always have to do that. Mm-hmm. Eloy and I are almost the same age. Mm-hmm. This case happened after the Nahdoni case, mm-hmm. which uh, the Nahdoni case had, like, a lot of coverage by Datena. And I was mm-hmm. watching that, like every single move like every every little thing mm-hmm. and datena did the same thing he was like 24 7 on this case but i think i was still so like shaken up by the mm-hmm. nahadoni case that i didn't pay 
enough attention to this yeah. case until it was over. And yeah, I was like, happened, oh, like, shit. Almost back to back. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I was like, oh, shit. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Nerdoni is our second episode. Yep. So, yeah. If you want to go listen. <laughs> so uh, Steph sang a song by Fresno in the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to link that too. But today's song just had to move it said the mood is a lost favorite song we're not gonna sing it because it's it would be bad if we did is with you by chris brown and since we're talking mm-hmm. about domestic violence singing a song by chris brown it's let's just not right not appropriate yeah so this outline is based on the investigação criminal episode made about this case uh the amazing doc- documentary who killed Eloi, uh which is in English, not in English, but like subtitled in English, it's like 20 minutes long on YouTube. I encourage you to watch it if you want to watch some of the news uh, coverage and some deep insight into uh, the whole like tones of the case and everything. You can watch it. Who Killed the Law? Also, interviews, interviews done by Camera Record and Fantastico. And also, news stories and news coverage by Fantastico, Record, and HTV. Uh, in addition, articles by G1, and of course, the very incomplete page on Wikipedia, which we still use for names, dates, and such. Yep. Yeah. Something interesting about this is that, again, I think this episode's like the most complete source of information that it's going to be out in this case, you know? Because it's like I had to piece so much together that you either watch all the news footage available to this to understand everything or like you, this because there's no complete um thing not even in michigan some can be now so i mean but it's still i don't know yeah and i was gonna say um i don't know if i have a, a big case mm-hmm. like i'm looking at my sticky note and <laughs> a lot of these are cases that like i added to the list pretty early on but like i wouldn't i don't think i have a big case now that i think about it Mm -hmm. i mean i think the park maniac was like maybe my big case but yeah i mean i still have a lot of cases that i'm excited about that yeah like yeah no but i don't have one that i'm like you like so passionate about you know like about researching it Mm mm-hmm so let's start talking about it, shall we? <laughs> so Eloa was that's Eloa, like E L O A with the eyelash on the A. Eloa was born in Maceió, that is in the northeastern state of Alagoas, on May fifth, nineteen ninety-three. Her dad, Everaldo Pereira dos Santos, was an ex-police officer, and her mom, Ana Cristina Pimentel, worked at a daycare and was a college student. Her family lived in Santo André, São Paulo. So this is not like São Paulo, São Paulo. It's not like in São Paulo, but it is part of our urban conglomerate. And there's no clear line between São Paulo, like the actual city, with the surrounding cities that we call the ABCD. So that's Santo André, São Bernardo, São Caetano, and Diadema. It's all one big thing. It's all one big chunk. So they lived in the neighborhood of Jardim Santo André. And as we said on a few episodes ago, uh, Jardim is not exactly a rich area. So, like, where they lived at is the equivalent of a low-income apartment complex or even the projects 
here in the U.S. So oh. just so you guys can have like a visual of what it looks like, the situation. It's not like a favela or a slum, but it's a varietal side of a favela, meaning that the pimentels, they were not poor. They were poor, but they were not like dirt poor, you know. This little had money to like go to McDonald's on the weekend or something like it's it's they're not rich, but it's not, you know, completely awful. They were still able to do things. So Elwa was 15 years old in 2008. Her mom, Ana Cristina, describes her as a happy, outgoing, smart and sweet girl who made friends with absolutely everyone. They were close, uh, Elwa and her mom, and she was always inviting friends over to meet her mom and they were like always hang out together malls restaurants kind of thing they were like friends like actual friends close friends she said that Ewa would always see the good in people and that for her there was no bad person on this earth she aspired to be a veterinarian and was doing a lot of extracurricular activities and courses one of them being a computer class with her mom no so, yeah she was a busy kid because of all those courses and all i think her mom said she was going to like four classes outside of school wow which you know that's if you're in high school that's kind of a lot mm -hmm. so anna Cristina also says that she didn't like uh going out or par partying so much but still she was a popular girl with her friends when she was only 12 12 years old, guys. She started dating Lindenberg Alves, a.k.a. Lisa. So it might sound like we're saying Lisa sometimes, like Lisa. But it's, it's not Lisa. It's Lisa, L-I-S-L. So is Lisa like the singer? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, because Lindenberg is just a weird, hard name. Uh, that was his nickname. That's my cousin's middle name. <laughs> Lindenberg. So Ana Cristina, the mom, says that when she found out about it, uh, she almost died. She and Everaldo yeah. set some limits for the couple. And she even told Lisa that Ilwa was young and that more than likely she wouldn't, the, the whole relationship wouldn't last because she was only, because he was only her first boyfriend. And then more in that, like her mindset was going to change with age. She's going to go to school. She's going to meet, a, she's going to meet a ton of people, etc. So it's like, she's not going to stick with her first boyfriend. And Lizzo was fine with that, but also he was like, okay, but I'm going to marry your daughter. So both his and her family blessed the relationship, and they knew each other, and they knew intentions and the nuances of the relationship and all that. So they were not like a teenage couple. They were in a serious relationship. She was 12, and he was 19. Which isn't, un well, it's not uncommon in Brazil. It's only uh like statutory rape and stuff like that is only becoming like a big deal mm -hmm. in Brazil now so yeah yeah but I mean we're not talking about like you know some girl dating any you know what I mean like the families are close like it's a relationship that you know the the kid's close to the mom and she's telling the mom everything it's like you think that she's not at risk for anything right so Lizzo was really close to the Pimentels uh, he was truly like a son to them, and he was always around. So uh, they saw him as just the kind of guy that you want your daughter to date. So it was like they're going out on the weekend, and Linda Bag is coming with them. You know, it's a twelve-year-old, like she's a kid, and, and he was like always around. So you know, it's it's not like a secretive relationship or anything. So yeah, I mean, uh, 
not long after they started dating, though, they start to notice that he was a very jealous uh, person. So, uh, I don't know. I feel like having the parents know each other and, like, the families close with each other kind of, like, makes it a lot more serious, you know? And, like, meeting the parents is, like, a big deal, you know? It's, like, your relationship is only serious when you really, when your family's okay with it, you know? I'll talk about, like, my relationship with Matt. Like, my, Matt met my parents, like, on our second date. And it's, like, before that, like, her first date is, like, whatever, you know? But it's not like we were dating. Like, we were dating after they uh, met my parents, I feel like. That Matt met my parents. You know? Like, yeah. that's when it's, like, committed. Okay, you know? Yeah, like, my... Speaking personally, my family says that I've only ever had one boyfriend because... I've only ever introduced one person to them. Uh, So like culturally speaking, I I Mm -hmm. think it's like not, not just Brazilians. I think it's Latinos in general. Um, It's like a big deal. Like it's one of those things like, Oh, Oh, now you, you actually Mm -hmm. mean it. Now I can chase you and kill you if you hurt my daughter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, uh, Lindenberg was born in Paraíba, but he grew up in Santo André. So, he was born in the Northeast and just like Iloa's family moved to Sao Paulo, which is something that is very common. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started working at a very young age to help his mom out. So, it was like a single mom. He had like, I think, two or three sisters. So, yeah, he became the breadwinner of the household at a young age. He worked loading and unloading stuff, and on the weekends, he worked with pizza and Sfija deliveries, which I, I want to eat a Sfija now, <laughs> right? Uh, like the open ones? Yeah, the open ones. I don't like the closed ones. They're too dry. Oh, I like the closed ones. No. So he did that uh, on the weekends for some extra money. So often, the argument is made that their age gap isn't even that big. Like, his lawyer says... Like, yeah, there's an age difference, but, like, if you think about a 30-year-old and a 38-year-old, like, what's the difference? He might say it's just age. But, I mean, girls mature faster than boys kind of thing. So they were, like, at the same level at 12 and 19. I don't know. I feel like, like, he was providing for a household. You know what I mean? He was taking care of bills and shit. So it was absolutely not at the same level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's in her independence... It seemed to me it was just like, you know, going to school by yourself, like taking the bus by yourself and coming yeah. back. And I mean, I could see the argument holding up better if she, it was the other way around. Like if she had been working from a very young age, taking care of her parents, etc. And he was just focusing on school and friends. But I mean, it's not to say that Ilwa was childish by any means. Like she seemed to be like at a, at a normal level for a 15 year old. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, um. You know, I totally like. Even though in my own family there there's been like mm-hmm. bigger age gaps than this at like a very young age, I like. I don't think that the twelve and nineteen thing bothers me more than mm-hmm. it would if she had started dating him when she was fifteen and he was twenty two. I know, right? Because twelve, like you're just now becoming a teenager. Not like even an adult. when I was twelve years old. 
I loved Rebelde. That was my thing. I thought that I was going to like have a cover band and I was going to be mm-hmm. famous. And, you know, I didn't play with dolls still, but like mm-hmm. I like daydreamed about being a celebrity. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't realize like it didn't hit me that like, no, bitch, the fuck, you know, mm-hmm. that like, like, no, I was still very much a kid. I still like got up to watch cartoons on Saturday morning. Like, I was a kid and I wanted to be like a grown-up at the same time, but I was Mm -hmm. definitely more of a child. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. And like, when I was 12, like just thinking about a guy looking at me made me nervous. Let alone like dating. I remember at 12, like, being interested in boys and stuff and it's like oh i want to have my first kiss and all but like yeah that's not having a relationship you know and like like even like i know girls who were more i don't want to say evolved but like who did things faster like my sister uh she like kissed a boy way before i ever like thought about kissing a boy and like she like did other things before I even thought about that. But even my sister, when she was 12, like, if anything, the oldest guy she kissed at the age of 12 was 15 or 16. Yeah. yeah. He wasn't an adult. I mean, I feel like at 15, a lot of kids will have, like, more responsibility. You know, they'll be like, yeah, I'm at home taking care of my little brothers or something. While yeah. Everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, that is a little more developed but i don't know if that was the case for eloa like i know that she was taking care of herself at 15 you know but still like you see the pictures of her like she's a normal 15 year old you know yeah posing with her friends and stuff like it's completely normal completely normal the 15 and 22 doesn't bother me because like i've been there but (laughs) But again it depends on the 22 year old exactly and like it's just the 12 Mm-hmm. If it was 14 and 19, yeah. I would have been less creeped out. Yeah. So, so. one time, the Pimentels went to have lunch with Nibberg's on uh, at Nibberg's house with his whole family. And his mom kind of pulled Anna Cristina to the side and said that uh, Lindenberg was not an emotionally balanced person. This is mom talking about him, okay? And that he thought that he was really the head of the household. So, and she was like, yeah, this is not a cool person. You know, maybe rethink the whole relationship with your daughter kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, he acts like a jackass sometimes, very jealous, whatever. And, I mean, here's my uh, two cents about this. I don't think he really knows how to deal with women, women, because he has, uh, his whole family is women. He has, like, a few sisters and his mom, and he is the man taking care of all of them, you know? Like, how would you expect that he would see uh his um significant other as like an equal not a person they have to take care of you know because mm-hmm. it's two types of relationships right the one that you're like taking care of someone or the one that you're like um basically adding your life with another person you know and you're just doing stuff together right that's different yeah. than like i take care of you i the man with my dick i'll take care of you kind of thing Right? Yeah, and I think that's uh, where Lindenberg's mind was on this. Mm-hmm. So they uh, dated on and off for three years. 
He would always break up with her, then go back and apologize, and it would be business as usual. She really loved him, it is important to point out, but she was tired of this. So, like, just look, just, just by reading this, like, you know that he's a freaking manipulative yeah, prick. Uh, so, Linda Vega was also becoming increasingly, increasingly abusive, too. He would get angry over nothing and yell at her all too frequently. Soon it escalated, and he hit her during a fight at a bus stop. The incident went unreported, but both families knew about it. Which, Which is shitty on itself, but there's a reason for it. Yeah. You're gonna know about this on the on the um when the we stop talking about the case at the end of the episode. Okay, so yeah. keep that in mind. So she confided in her mother saying that she just couldn't put up with this anymore. She's right, you don't have to put up with any of that, not even the yelling. So she did the right thing and broke up with Liso. She let him know that she wasn't playing and that it was definitive. And Eloa was moving on. She was beginning to have a relationship with a classmate. Lindenberg killed her a month later. Now, let's hear with our sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) I would literally kill you. The family knew that he wasn't taking it it easily. Ana Cristina recalls that she got a few calls from him um, at her job saying that he was upset. He was thinking about doing something stupid. Now... That is kind of cold for I'm going to kill myself, right? So she would try and talk him out of it, but she was convinced that he would at least try to do something to get Eloi's attention. Lindenberg's mom has come out and said that after the breakup, her son was very depressed. Of course he was. Okay, so now it is October 13th, 2008. The day after Children's Day. Anna Christina woke up feeling a little uneasy. She had a bad feeling about Lisu. She told Eloa that if he came by, to not let him in. Tell him to come back at night so he can talk to her dad. Eloa told her that she wouldn't let him in, that she should be worrying about her brother, Douglas, mm-hmm. that he's the one that usually welcomes Lisu. So she woke up Douglas, made it clear that he wouldn't let Lee Zoyan. And then her mom left for work. Eloa left for school and Douglas stayed home. Yeah, Douglas, he was... I, I couldn't find exactly how old uh, Douglas was. But I had the strong impression that he was about uh, Lena Bag's age. So, okay. like, maybe, like, a little younger than him. But, like, already um, done with school. Yeah. Uh, high school kind of thing. So, like, so 17? Probably, probably between, like, 17 and 20. Okay. 18, 21 kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's so far to point out to um him and dina beg i don't know if i wrote that down the outline they're really close friends like they say that he was closer with Lizo than he was with Eloa. wow so yeah that is never anyway <laughs> so Lizo wasn't exactly a neighbor meaning that he didn't live in the same complex but he could see the pimentel household from his apartment he saw everyone leaving but douglas So he kept calling until he picked up, basically. He told him that he was a little mad, that he wanted to come over and talk to him, and convinced Douglas to let him come by. Mind you, Douglas was a lazy person. He slept in most of the morning, and by the time that Lizo got there, it was almost time for Eloi to come home from school. That is around 12 or 1 p.m., the latest. He hung out with Douglas for a bit, then played some video games, the usual stuff. 
They decided to go out for lunch at a uh, pastelaria, which is like a bodega sort of thing, which happened to be right in front of the bus stop where Eloa would arrive with her best friend, Nayara, and two boys, Iago and Vito. The group was getting together at Eloas to do a group project for school. Yeah. So before that, before he saw that, uh, Lisa was angry. But now he's furious. Douglas asks Lisa to take him back home because he had to do some stuff uh, later in the afternoon. And he was like, yeah, I need to go home. So they hop on Lisa's motorcycle and he takes him to a reservoir. Like a little lake that was around. So... I don't know which one it was, but it must have been like 10-15 minutes max on the motorcycle. So I kind of struggle with this part of the story because it's like, yeah, take me home. But then you get on the highway and go to a lake. You know what I mean? doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. But that can be explained by the fact that Douglas is a pushover and he's just a manipulator. So it's like, oh yeah, I just need to go over there and whatever. And you're like, okay, you just go, you know. So they get to the reservoir. Uh, hop out of the motorcycle and that's when Lizu quote unquote receives a call and he tells Douglas that a friend has an emergency nearby so he'll be right back of course Mm -hmm. yeah Douglas is now stranded at the reservoir and it took 40 minutes for him to walk back home so the parents are not home Douglas is not home I don't know if he expected there to be other teenagers there uh, when he planned all this but regardless, he had a gun and he was on his motorcycle on his way to Eloa. When Douglas uh, makes it back to the apartment, Lizu is already inside. He knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, no one answered. So he assumed that Eloa had went to someone else's house to do the group project. He hung out, he, he hung out at common areas of the apartment complex for the rest of the day until... Someone came by to let him in. So what happened was that Lindenberg made his way into the apartment. Uh, either he was let in by one of his friends, by one of the friends that were there, or the door was left unlocked. I don't know if Eloa would really have uh, let him in. So maybe someone else, uh, or he just walked in. So that was barely 10 minutes after the group got home. Eloa and Ayata were making lunch in the kitchen and the boys were uh, like sitting in the computer. Right from the start, uh, Lindenberg let him know why he, what he was there for. He moved Nayara, Yago, and Vitor to a bedroom and told them to sit on the bed. Eloa was yelling, telling him to go away, and he started to hit Eloa right in front of everyone. So, yeah. Uh, it's, I want to point out that this wasn't like a jealous fit. Because he saw her getting out of the bus with two boys. That was like the way this was portrayed for a long time. But it wasn't that. He had been, you know, stalking a lot basically for days. And he already had a gun. He was planning to go there that day, you know. So it's like he got there. He was was kind of surprised when he saw that there were more people there, you know. And Iago and Vitor were not like, neither one of them was the one that uh, Ila was dating. I think it was Vitor that he was uh, Nayara's boyfriend, but uh, the other one was not. Like, so it's not even like, you know, it's not a jealous fit. So to make that clear from the beginning, not a jealous fit. So at around 6 p.m., uh, the dad of Veraldo arrived and him and Douglas went back to the apartment. 
When they tried to open the door, Lisa told them that he had a gun and he was... He would shoot everyone if they went in. So they went back down the stairs while a police officer was coming up. One of the boys inside of the apartment had called his dad and uh, the dad called the police. So Everaldo told the police to be careful because he had a gun and the police officer went to, to the door anyways. And that's when Nizu shoots at him. Again, he shoots a police officer through a door and nothing happens mind yep. you we are seven hours into the hostage crisis at this point that's already too long right yep yeah but wait just wait just wait listener just wait so Eloa tells Lisa that she will be his girlfriend again but he says that he doesn't want it because she's only saying that because she's scared obviously so he makes it clear that he will kill her then kill himself but before that he'll kill one of her friends to make her suffer it came to a point that Yago talks to Nayara and he's like, yeah, we're going to die in here. But Nayara assures him that no one's going to die. So, yeah, that's the thing about Nayara. She's tough and she keeps her cool and makes sure that everyone else is cool, too. Even now, after all this happening, she's still, like, calm about it. Like, she never, like, freaked out. So she calms everyone down, including Lizo. When he said that he was going to kill all of her friends, uh, she says that she always knew it was going to be her. But she was still calm. She was still trying to contain the whole situation. Which, I mean, kudos to her. Man, that's amazing. I don't know if I would have been able to be that cool about it. Like, she's not, like, you know, not caring about it. She's, like, really, like, keeping herself calm. Which I I really, like, appreciate, you know. So, it's going down. <laughs> I'm yelling timber. <laughs> I'm not yelling timber. Um, so Gachi, the tactical group of special operations, soon arrived um, to the scene. And with them, the press. We think that they show up right when people start figuring out that it is a serious um, situation. Because before that, it's like, oh yeah, that girl's boyfriend's at her house trying to win her back. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't that. The thing with this kind of case is that the press is very disruptive, as you might have noticed from our fucking bus episode, Bus 174. Go listen to that. One reporter shows up, then another, then another, and it's like every newspaper, TV station, or whatever has to have a reporter there. Otherwise, they're losing the story for the competition, which is, as I mentioned, what happened with Bus 174, and this case is even worse, so break yourselves. Mm -hmm. So with all the police outside of the apartment, the situation escalates a bit. The first demand that Linda Beck makes is uh, the presence of Anna Cristina. She arrived home from class sooner or later. The first thing he says is, I told you I was going to do something stupid. Which, can you imagine being that mom? Just being that mom. Like, no. After a little bit of negotiating with the police... Lizo lets Iago, lets go of Iago and Vito. Nayara says that she was the one who convinced him to let them go because they were not doing well. He said that he would, but that would mean that she and Eloa were going to be killed. They accepted those terms. Which, can you imagine, like, being a 15-year-old and, like, you, you, like, like, I can't even, like, put it into words, like, 
having to sacrifice yourself for other people, 15 year old me would be like, fuck that. <laughs> I'd be like, you guys can die. Yeah. I don't I mean, care. Like, I mean, they saw, I think they, they were doing better, like mentally than the boys were. Cause Nayara says that like, they were like completely pale, like freaking out, like almost like, you know, puking. They're just not going to handle this. And I think that not just Nayara and Eloa, but I don't think that like even the police or in the press uh, at the at this point of the um, hostage crisis, they didn't think anything was going to happen. They didn't take Ringenberg uh, seriously. They thought that they were going to just walk out and it's going to be over in a few hours, whatever. Yeah, so... Um... <sighs> he tied him up with condoms. He put Nayara in the bedroom and was in the living room with Iloa, also tied up. Sometime during the early morning hours, he woke them up and switched them. So Nayara was in the living room and Iloa was in the, bed the bedroom with him. Nayara could hear that he was beating her up inside of the bedroom. She denies that he raped her at any point, but he would kiss her by force. Which... So, uh, the sun came up on day two, and there was still no sign that the crisis would end anytime soon. By then, there's a horde of reporters filming the windows from every single angle, and I do remember this. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I like I, I can remember like vividly the, yeah. the the footage of this. That aggravated uh, Liso, and he shot at the reporters. That prompted for the police to restrict the area even more. And in a way, the neighbors became hostages too. Because mind you, this is an apartment complex with at least 50 other people living inside of that building alone. Now, those who were at home were prohibited from leaving and those who weren't couldn't come home. There were 12 families that, kept, that were kept inside over the duration of all of this. That day, they cut the energy out of the house. Their tactic uh, was to cut the lights, the water, etc., and basically tire him out. Liso got pissed and threatened to hit Eloi and Ayata if they didn't turn the energy back on again. He did something with one of the girls while on the phone with the police. There's a recording of her begging him to stop. Which I think I remember this too. <laughs> the police negotiated with him, promising that if he released Nayata, he would have the lights back. And so he released her at the end of day two. Just, just the fact that they let this go for like two days. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, on day three, Nayada is working with the police. She gives them insight about Lizu and what's going on in the inside. Because until then, they only had like, you know, a few hours with the boys. They were really shaken up, but um, Nayada was cooperating i think a little, a little better so by then uh food is starting to run out well not only for them but for everyone else remember that they were neighbors stuck at their own apartments a lot of them i think most of them really were old people who were afraid that they're gonna like run out of meds and stuff while they're there so eloa the police and the neighbors would get food from people uh, on the outside. So they would lift the food into their apartments with rope, like out of the windows. 
And mm-hmm. in the case of Eloa, the sh- uh, it was sheets and pillowcases tied together. So, yeah. yeah. I think I also remember this. Yeah, because, I mean, when you're, like, I don't want to focus too much on the media. I think we're going to talk about this, like, a little later. But this is day three. Imagine two days of 24-7 coverage. It's like Big Brother. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. they're going to feed Eloa. And then there's the video of her lifting mm-hmm. the thing, you know. And, oh, my God, look at the what's happening. And then they show everything that has happened in the past two days. And, oh, my God, we have a new image of Eloa on the window. She's pleading people to get, be calm. It's like it was, It's like 24-7. It's like you leave the house, the things are going on. And you come back, and the things are still going on. Like, it was crazy man you're like why is this still happening you know yeah and it became on the it became big brother that was the impression i had while watching it all when it was happening so eloa goes to the window multiple times she sometimes will put her hands out with thumbs up indicating that she's all right and other times she would ask people on the outside to calm down i think mainly her mom should be like calm down like with her hands like you know out like that uh mm-hmm. I like that. Like you guys are watching me do that, but she's like, we're gonna. Post she's, she's doing the calm down hands, guys. Yeah, calm down hands. Uh, day four, day four. The police and Ayada decide that she needs to help on the investigations. Lizo is demanding to see her and Douglas, uh, Eloa's brother. She talked to him on the phone, but he says that uh, he wanted her to go over there, and he said that she was to go to the hallway outside the apartment and when he would see her she would reach her hand out she would grab Eloa's hand and her and Lisa would walk out and everyone claps you know sound of the music Mm -hmm. spinning around the end of the hostage crisis is coming right well Fred would point out Nayara had come to the operation uh, with her mom but uh, they had been separated for her to like try to help out in the negotiations whatever so when the police agreed that she was going to go up there uh, to talk with Lizo her mom like they didn't talk her mom didn't talk to her at all she didn't give an okay or anything so it was like without her mom's consent and uh, Nayada was a minor so she could not give that consent for herself Nayada was like 14, 15 on this so Nayada goes back up there by herself The police never tells her to keep back. They don't give her any tips or guidelines or anything that she should be be following. uh, While she, a 15-year-old, tries to negotiate with an armed kidnapper. She was on the phone with Lisa, so the police didn't even have a way to communicate with her. So they couldn't be like, you know, say this, say that, or, you know, don't go any further than this. Yeah. So Nayada approaches the hallway. Lisa tells her to come closer. Closer, closer. He opens the door. Eloise takes her hand out. Nayada grabs it. And she's pulled back into the apartment. Mm. I don't know how to explain this. I, I don't know, like... And there's pictures of her holding Eloise's hand from the outside. And it's like... How do you explain that to anyone? Like, how does that make sense? Like, how how do, they, how do the police let that happen? Yeah, like if you if you think if you thought that they were this they were not prepared before this, like they didn't had no idea how to handle this negotiation, like it's it's fucking, <laughs> it's maddening. So Eloa is not doing very good at this point. Of course, she is. It, I mean, this is the fourth fucking day of her being kidnapped in their apartment. 
she begs Lizzie to kill her already, and she she wouldn't stop screaming. So he starts hitting Nayada and slapping her across the face so Eloa would calm down. Yeah. So it is now day five. Police approaches the apartment's door and put an explosive device around the door flame, door frame, not flame frame. <laughs> it's like duct tape with an explosive string that would tear down the door when detonated. They did that mid morning. It is also on day five that something interesting happens, and it just it's just so fucking absurd that it's almost unbelievable. So Carol talked about how the news coverage on this was 24-7. How they were watching the TV, too. I fucking remember mm-hmm. him. Yeah, because it's like everyone else on the outside is watching. I don't think I said that. But they were, like, watching stuff happen on the TV. So they are like, watching the news covering the, his case. I remember this. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just getting so angry right now. Because <laughs> I remember exactly what yeah. this is. So everyone wanted a piece of the case. That's when... Uh, the host of Ataja Sua, a daytime show on the um, HTV channel. Sonia Brown. Sonia Brown, yes, I forgot to put the name down. Sonia Brown. Manages to get Lizzo's phone number. She calls him and interviews him and Eloa live on air. In the middle of a fucking hostage crisis, this guy has been keeping her alive for five days. And if, if kids are like asleep, not listening to this, five days, guys, five days. And he still managed to get an interview on live TV while everything is going on. And it's not over yet. They talk about Lizzo's childhood, why he freed Nayara. She tells him that there's still enough time to free Eloa and all. She's negotiating with him. A daily tabloid fucking show host, not a police officer, not aided by the police, not like specialized in this fucking thing. She's just doing her thing. And she's so, so excited she, too. Like you can see it on her face that she's like, yeah, yeah there's she's like not even this. listening to what he's saying. She says, everyone knows you're a good guy. Your friends, your family, they're all out here saying that you're a great person. No one thinks you're a criminal. She talks to Eloa and she says that her life is on the police officer's hands. That Lisa will kill her unless they do what she asks. Sonia, the host, then coaches Eloa into remaining calm and whatever, which just makes me so mad. Us so mad. Mm -hmm. She has no training, no qualification, nothing. Like, why? Like, what, what possesses someone and makes them think that I'm not. So, throughout the day, police is still in contact with Lyndon Beggy, trying to negotiate that he leaves the apartment. He says that he can't do that, that he wants to kill himself. There's a little angel on my shoulder, he says, and a little devil on the other one telling me to do it. Go, go fuck yourself. He also asks for the police to break into the apartment, but they say that they won't do that. They want peace. Police always made the point that they were focused on bringing a peaceful situ- so, a peaceful solution to the situation, that they would much rather negotiate with Lyndon Baggett rather than breaking into the apartment, especially because they knew what would happen if they broke in. Uh, pause. I think that there is... I mean, they are very criticized because they didn't do anything earlier, but like... I get it. 
you know, that they want it all to come. It's easy for us to look in hindsight, you know what I mean? But yeah, this is, I mean, if you would just examine what has happened already. This is a guy that has shot at a police officer and at reporters already. It's a fifth day, you know. I feel like it's one thing if it's the first day. Like, yeah, it's only been keeping here for 12 hours. You know, let's try to come out of this as peaceful as possible, right? But this yeah. is clearly not a guy that's going to budge. It's five days, you know. So it's yeah. like he's not getting tired. Everything's just getting worse and escalating, right? They let yeah. things go to a point that, like, it's it's unjustifiable. Unjustifiable. It's anyway. Yeah. I have a lot of opinions, but I'm going to keep them to myself. He talked to the uh, officers all day, and he told them that he today was the last day many times. He even told Eloi and Ayada to put their jackets on because they were about to leave. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine like the psychological distress that that causes? <sighs> so here's where. His mind was at close to 6 p.m. on that day. I don't want to have anyone else, man. I don't want to have Eloi anymore. Even I've been trying to forget her for like a month now. I've been trying to go out, have fun, distract myself, but I just can't. There's something telling me, man, get an explanation. Get it and get it. The situation is just revenge. Just revenge. You know why? A lot of people there on the outside are going to pay for this. A lot of people are going to suffer, cry. I'm going to put an end to all of this. Tell everyone that an end is coming. He's talking with the girls in between all this. He's demanding that Eloa tell him who told her to break up with him. Was it her mom? Was it Nayada? Was it Nayada's mom? He was getting anger and anger. And the work that the officers has had been doing uh, with Lisa was just being lost. You know, it's like they would come a little closer for to release and then Lindenberg would just come back into his own mind and as if nothing had happened, you know. So Nayada is getting hot inside of the apartment. So she takes off her jacket. She takes her jacket off and lays on the mattress on the floor of the living room. Eloa lays on the couch. Lizu goes to the, uh, towards the dining table, removes the chairs, and uh, pushes the table against uh, the door. Not soon after that, uh, they detonate the bombs. The explosive around the door, remember. So because there was a table blocking the door, it takes at least 15 seconds for them to get inside of the apartment. That gives Lisu enough time to shoot Eloa on the head and in the crotch and to shoot Nayada. Uh, the shot went through her hand and into her face, like close to her, like between nose and mouth, like her cheek. Yeah. Nayada says that she didn't have time to think. She just got up and ran away. 40 seconds after the explosion. The police shot a rubber bullet at Lindenberg but missed it. They were able to drag him out of the apartment and immobilized him on the hallway outside in front of the eyes of the nation, basically, for everyone to see. So, let's talk about all this, okay? Uh, Marcos Duval a Brazilian man who is in uh he's an instructor he's an instructor of SWAT in Dallas. He trains elite officers from all around the globe, uh including the po- the Pope security team. So we're not talking about just anyone here, we're talking about, you know, the guy on the business. 
So anyways, uh, he analyzed the images from the crisis and here's what he had to say about this. Okay. So the first mistake they made was to allow it to go on for that long. SWAT has a 24-hour negotiating, negotiating threshold, for instance, so it wouldn't go past the middle of the second day, you know? Yeah. He praised them for maintaining, for managing to release Nayada and the boys, but then it's just so absurd that they allowed her to get back in, right? So it's it's bad that they even allowed her to get anywhere near the apartment with no um, supervision in the first place, you know? Because she, she was, like, standing in the hallway. He could have just opened the door and shot her in the head right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, the whole thing, um, them letting Nayara put herself at that much risk uh, prompts that guy to say that he's ashamed of being Brazilian. Just by that alone. And that's a pretty strong mm-hmm. statement. So he also says that uh, they could have easily killed Lindenberg. That there were many opportunities for clear shots that would not have harmed Eloi in any way at all. There, there's tons of times that like Eloi's like bending over outside of the window, like grabbing something, and he's just like there behind her, you know. Like clearly, yeah, you can see no. him like just standing behind her. That no, I I remember thinking that too. Like why then. aren't? I mean, we're we're seeing it because there's cameras pointing at him. You know? Yeah. But they could have visibly like, okay, no more cameras for two hours. We kill him. <laughs> or I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to talk about this later. So he also said that uh, they could have had two officers. So they could have like ended this on like this. Okay. They could have had like two officers on stairs under the window. So, and one of them would be ready to pop down from the upper fo- floor, like hanging from a rope, like Peter P- Pan on a play. You know, mm-hmm. so one of the officers would, would like grab Eloa like by the head, like pull her down, not pulling mm-hmm. her out of the apartment, but down while uh, Mr. Pan would come down and shoot from outside of the window. Yeah. The third one would be there for support. But all this would happen in like a second, you know, like it would have ended it like this. Yeah. So he also says that uh, they used too much explosive on the door. Also, uh, how did they not prepare for there to be something behind the doors, just beyond him? Uh, that delay compromised the whole thing. Uh, they should have came in from all the windows simultaneously uh, after they blew the door up with also like throwing lights and sound bombs to confuse Lisa so he couldn't have the clarity to go and grab a gun and shoot him, yeah. shoot the, the two girls. Also, the policemen were not ready for the medical people to come, that's really important too. Uh, the you can see like on the images, uh, the doctors having to like basically fight their way, like in between of the like in the middle of the police officers to make the to like go get to the apartment. So like you see like the doctor like you know struggling to get through the police people in the hallway. So that was just very responsible because Ilwa was still alive on the inside of the apartment after all this happened so Eloise carried out of the apartment on a stretcher and taken to the hospital where she died 30 hours later Nayara survived uh thankfully she did just fine but it was luck still because she was shot on the head you know yeah so police said that they detonated the bomb because they heard Liesl shooting inside 
but that has been contested. Mm -hmm. Nayara says that he shot after the explosion. There's video footage of the whole thing. And Carol also thinks that it was after. And I remember the reports on this. Um, Back then, I also think it was Mm -hmm. afterwards. Because it's like the... the, uh, You hear so many things at the same time. You you can hear the uh, police people shooting. You can hear the Lindenberg shooting. You can hear the explosion of the door. You can hear people yelling outside. So it's like it's a lot. But at least my impression was that um, it was definitely... uh, They shot definitely... They detonated the bombs and then the big shot. I think that was that. Yeah. So although it's possible that they heard something else uh, and thought it was a shot, that they were waiting to hear something and detonating was a reflex, that something might have been the table banging against the door. Because mm-hmm. it was it like was... a big, heavy table. It wasn't like yeah. a fold-out table. You know what I mean? It was like a big, heavy one. Like those big, brown, thick ones, you know? Yeah. Like banging against the door, is it's a noise. So, Eloa was buried and her funeral was attended by 30,000 people. She was an organ donor and she was able to benefit five people. And I think I've seen, like, pictures of her mom meeting the people yeah. that like got her organs so lisa was sent to tremember where he made friends with yours truly <laughs> yeah. cabo bruno police officer who killed poor people we talked about him a few episodes mm-hmm. ago go listen to that yep he's his trial started on february 13th of 2012 and lasted four days all televised of course because this whole thing is a <laughs> yeah. media circus he was convicted of 12 crimes, one homicide, attempted homicide against Nayara and a police officer, five kidnappings, and four shots with a firearm. He was sentenced to... Uh, shooting a gun is uh, illegal in Brazil. Yeah, because you're not allowed to like mm-hmm. own guns unless you're mm-hmm. a cop. Although every... Anyway, I'm not going <laughs> to go there. Um, he was sentenced to 98 years in prison, and in 2013, that was reduced to 39. He can only serve a max of 30 years because we've already been through this like a million times mm-hmm. in this podcast. It's ridiculous. So at an interesting turn of events, uh, while the crisis was still going on, actually, it was discovered that Eloa's dad was actually on the run from the authorities. And that's why uh, he had been, I mean, that he had been part of a death squad back on his police officer days. And that's why they had moved to Sao Paulo first place. Because he was wanted for the death of four people. He was arrested and has already been released, though. But, like, what the fuck? You know? Yeah. Randomest yeah. fact ever. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Sonia Abrão and her channel were sued because they aired interviews with Lizu and Lua uh, with no previous authorization by the authorities. He had, they had to pay 1.5 million reais in damages. So, I mean, it's, they got sued because, like, it's thought that um, their interview changed the outcome of this. That single interview changed, I mean, the whole media thing, yes, but theirs specifically. Because. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, because it's like, um, when that day started, the fifth day. I think the police knew and Lisa knew that it was going to be the last day. So it could either end well or it could either end good. 
And that's something that he repeated several times. Like, you know, yeah, it will end good, but it's on you guys. If you guys try to do something funny, then I'm going to shoot kind of thing. But so it was like they were at a, they were at a good place, you know, believe it or not. Like they knew they was going to end and they were doing making plans. And it's like, oh, yeah, she's going to walk. They had like a whole plan. I didn't even talk about that. But like they had like a whole plan, a whole uh, thing that they were going to do. Like, oh, I was going to walk out with uh, the guns, unloaded guns. And then they would walk in and get Lisu. You know, they were going to get her first, get her out of the apartment first. But uh, after the interview aired and after, you know, Lindenberg saw him, um, saw himself on the TV live like that, uh, the interview, the the negotiation efforts just took five steps back. Mm. Like, you can hear the difference on the talks. And especially, and I think that was because uh, the way that he was portrayed by the um, lady, she was, I mean, I think that she thought that he was a jackass, you know, but she was saying things like, no one thinks you're a criminal. Everybody thinks you're a great person. We've been talking to your sisters. They have so many good things to say about you, you know. This is going to be fine. No repercussions, basically, you know. And that that puts, you know, a, a cushion to, on his ego. And it's like, oh, yeah, I am a great person. Why is this girl trying to leave me, you know. Yeah. That's when he starts talking with, like why the fuck are you leaving me and what happens happens you know mm. so yeah it sucks and one thing that also is very bothers bothersome about um the media coverage is that it's never like oh my god i wonder if he's gonna release her i wonder if he's like it's never like focused on the case every couple sentences on all the things I saw, it's like, we have exclusive images. Yes. Like, later on, you know, like, it's like, basically, after the break. Is he going to yeah, release exactly. her? After the break, we're going to find out, kind of thing. They, they, yeah, I, I remember, I don't remember, I don't know if this was actually said by one of the people that were covering the case, mm -hmm. or if it was just referred as this, like, afterwards but i remember like this being um called a reality tv yeah like a reality tv show like keeping up with the kardashians basically like yeah. and it was yeah. kind of like that you remember like i think it was a few years ago that fox news had like live footage of the um white house and the hosts were telling trump to like flick the lights if he was watching and he actually did Something similar happened. They were talking because they knew that Lindenberg was watching. So they were like, yeah. Lizzo, if you're watching, wave at us from outside of the window. Like, how yeah. absurd is that? You know who said that? Anna Hickman. Fucking. I didn't like her already, but like, you know, head. she was like, yeah, can you wave at us? Kind of thing. He didn't wave. But still, like, can you imagine yeah. watching yourself on the TV? And then everything, I remember that. There was barely anything ever said about Eloa. It's just, Eloa is a 15-year-old, but who is this kidnapper guy? And then he did put pictures of him, like, playing soccer. He is so great. He works, helps his family out. He's such a Look great guy. Look at this guy. great man. He is a role model, yeah. a pillar of society. Yeah, and it was always focusing on how great of a guy he is. And one of the guys, one of the reporters actually said, I bet they're going to get married after this. 
Yeah. So I remember, like, on the first... I mean, because I've always researched this case and always watch uh, things relating to it. And I remember being really mad that they refer to him as a, ga- a great guy so much. And he's always such a great guy. He's always a great guy. You know, and even, like, after he killed people, it's like he never had anything... What, any problem with the authorities at all? He was a upright, standing citizen, kind of thing. But here's the thing: he was a great guy. That's what's so upsetting about all this. Like he was a regular person, you know. Mm-hmm. And we live in a society that allows for that kind of thing to happen, you know. Like I'm not trying to voice it right here, but like because he was seen as such a good guy. Like, he has space to do so much, you know? And he has the space to, like... Because he, he lives in a, in a world that, like, allows for him to have a plan to kill his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, and kill himself after afterwards. Yeah. He threatens to do that for five straight days, and he's still a great guy. That's the world we live in, you know? And we'll, also, what's maddening about this is that Iloa is not the... Um, the center point of any of this. Like, it, yeah. they're never like, I wonder if Eloi is going to be okay. It's always, I wonder what happened to them that, uh, Dinkenberg that made him great guy. flip. Yeah. What made him flip? What do you mean, what made him flip? Like, he's, he's, he had already beat her. He was already a bad, abusive shithole of a person. She left him and he couldn't handle it. That's what happened. Like, what a fucking yeah. surprise. Right? And, like, leaving a kind of relationship like that, it's dangerous. And, like, at no point did the police or the press really care about Iloa. That's what's shitty about this. They were so focused on the um, shock factor of all this that really, fuck Iloa, you know? And that's something that's really pointed out on, on the documentary that we watched that she didn't have no worth uh, while all this was happening. She became, like, in a way, her dead body, her dead corpse was worth more than it was when she was alive. Yeah. You know? That's true. And that is, it's just, like, I don't know what to say. Like, it's fucking, you know, even, even when he had already shot two girls, he was not shot with a real bullet. He was shot with a uh, rubber bullet. His life is worth so much more than theirs. He had shot two girls in the head. And one of the shots was in the crotch. Very symbolic too. And he was still shot with a rubber bullet. Missed. He's doing well in prison now. You know. You know what? This might sound, it might sound very controversial. Mm-hmm. But fuck it. I know that he's going to get released soon because that's the Brazilian justice system for you. It's been 10 years since the murder happened. 13 years after Suzanne killed her parents, she was out, Mm. like, hanging out. So it's going to happen sooner or later. But I take solace in the fact that I know this motherfucker is going to get lynched. (laughs) He is so (laughs) going to get lynched. He is. Cabo Bruno... His little buddy buddy from prison. Oh, you should learn something from that. My mm. friend, you're going to get lynched. Like, especially her dad was in a fucking police death squad. 
I've seen people get killed by police for a lot less than that. So, yeah. Yeah, he's not... I mean, he's a Timing Bay of all places. That's... And I mean, when he was arrested, uh, he was sent to, like, a jailhouse, whatever. The prisoners actually, like, were like, we don't want that guy here. Like, get him yeah. out. He had to be transferred, like, the first day. He, the, the prisoners did not want... They didn't, like, threaten him, but they were like, yeah, get this... I don't want to be on the same space as this guy. You know, criminals. People that are in jail already. So, like, come on. Exactly. Uh, about the press thing, though. Um, Ana Cristina, the mom, says that the press was definitely irresponsible, but... That reporting, the reporting done of the case was actually good. She says, because if the press wasn't there covering the case, how would she know what was happening to her daughter? Yeah. Which that's a valid point, you know, too. So she's not mad that it became, that it was so big on the media and covering 24-7. You know, she, she's not mad about that. I think that's what matters too you know that she's a, she's in peace i think so last year just last year nara got a settlement from the state of sao paulo for non-material material and aesthetic damages because of course she got shot on the head for 150,000 reais which i think that's so low yeah uh, yeah because not even like remotely yeah, not, not close enough man So that is because the state police put her life at risk when um, they broke in, basically. Not when they <laughs> let her back there, but when they broke in the apartment. Um, they they knew they were putting their life at, her life at risk. Yeah. And, like, <sighs> I read that, like, her family, Eloise, like, filed a, a civil suit against... Mm -hmm. um, the state and they lost and i think that's so fucking ridiculous because it was the state being useless that got her killed like yeah. i can't even i mean i think it's really complicated when you have like a hostage situation like that to just shoot someone in the head when everyone's looking at it because you don't want that on the tv you know you don't want people to see that because everyone was watching At least in my house, the TV was on 24-7 with the thing going on, you know? Yeah. And if the one channel stopped playing that, we would go and switch to a different channel that was playing stuff on the case. You know? So, I don't know. It's just... They can't shoot someone on the head on live TV. The police does not want that on them, right? Yeah. And the... the uh, the people that were in charge of the operation, they were saying, like, you guys are criticizing us because we didn't shoot the guy, but if we did shoot the guy, then we'd be here on the same press room talking about, you know, that you guys are criticizing us. Police brutality. Because, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, couldn't you guys have chosen any other tactics? So it's like, we, they're going to be criticized regardless. So why didn't they save the girl's life? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. So, I, I don't know. I don't know if, like... Because it's like you're trying to negotiate. You're not getting anywhere. You don't have, like... You, you can't take, take your sweet time five days to try to get the thing ended, you know? Right? <sighs> I don't I know, can't. man. This is fucking... And you know what's funny? Not fun. It's it, this isn't funny at all. Mm -hmm. 
So of course my dumbass open global while I'm while we're recording this, mm-hmm. and this was a news piece that was um uh, they published it yesterday. I'm not gonna say which date, <laughs> but like yesterday, five hours ago. It says Nardoni, Cravinhos, and other famous prisoners leave the prison together for an audience and it's like oh let's talk about the celebrity news and guess who was in the fucking picture Alexandre Nardoni, Christian Cravinhos, Gil Rugai, Lindenberg Alves, Misael Bispo de Souza and Guilherme Longo they're all in a picture smiling together the real housewives it's like it's like the real like yeah let's watch the bachelor like i need i need to send you this so you can look at this fucking nadoni's fucking face like he's just like yeah whatever and it looks like they're just Mm -hmm. hanging out at the gym it literally that's literally what it looks like i mean i feel like it does echo though what people think of that and it's like Oh my god, Carol, oh my god. we need to buy this book. Diário de Tremembé, O Presídio dos Famosos. Are you fucking shitting me? Are oh you god. shitting me? Like the book is called. That's... Yeah. Now, the book is called, guys, uh, Tremembé's Diary, The Prison for the Famous. I'm literally gonna. I need to buy this book just fucking... so I can angry read it. <laughs> but, like, I'm gonna buy this. I'm buying this on my vacation. Do you want one? I'll buy you a copy. I'm so I'm so annoyed right now. Did you look at the book? Scroll down. There's quotes. Oh my god. There's quotes. Nardoni's quote. I didn't kill my daughter Isabella. Abdel Masi. I only had a relationship with the women who wanted it. They're the ones who harassed me. Fuck you. I'm only gonna read the quotes from the Crimes that we have covered, okay? Christian Cravinhos. After the Richtofing couple was attacked, Suzani was the one who went in their bedroom and beat them up. Sure. There's quote, guys, like if you look, I'm gonna post a, a mm-hmm. picture of the cover page of this book on our stories the day that this comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm so angry right now. I'm angry at a bug. <laughs> I can't. Like, what? What possessed someone to... Like, listen, you want to do a book about the prisoners? Okay. But don't call it... The prison for the famous... Pri- like, what? Excuse you? I can't. I'm sorry. I don't know. I feel like... When people think of true crime and stuff and it's like oh yeah you're just bringing shedding more lights on the murders kind of the office on the uh penis episode there's like the dwight's trying to install floodlights on the parking lot and it's like well won't that just shed more lights on the penises you know it's not like true crime is doing that the media is doing that i know that we're kind of like the media but like you know news pieces and people like portraying people as if they're human when they're really not trying to do that with the victim Right. I honestly, I just saw, I only saw one news piece done on Eloi. But you always see the pictures of 
Lindenberg playing soccer. Lindenberg, you know, with his fucking motorcycle. Like, that's what you see. And pictures of Lindenberg and Little Watt together, which I think publicizing that is just absurd. Pictures of them, like, as a happy couple. Like, why would you fucking do that? But this one of them was like, yeah, this is her favorite song. This is what her mom says she was like. And that kind of thing, like, with her mom talking about Eloi and people talking about Eloi, only really came after, like, years of this. I needed to... I just made myself angrier. Yeah. I, I scrolled down, Care, you need open that link again. Scroll down past the cover page. There's a picture of a guy with, like, a quote above it. Please read that. <laughs> I wish I had two phones so I could just throw this one, like, on the wall. <laughs> like, basically, the author, guys, of the book is talking about interviewing the killers and, like... He's talking about he's his talk- day in prison with all the famous... Like, no, I would get... I would first... I mean, I'm gonna read and quote here. What this guy's saying. The living with the um, inmates would transport me right into the thrillers, like most horrifying thrillers of Hollywood. This is not a movie. This is real life, man. In the morning, I would have breakfast with a serial killer that drawn to eight, eight kids. And then I would go to class. With a guy that killed their ki- killed his kids. And another one that threw his kid out of the window. We know who that one's. <sighs> another one that killed his pregnant wife. And then the one and another one that um killed their parents. And then uh, Jack, uh, a rapist, that um you know, then he would go to a fucking uh church with a doctor that killed that um raped thirty nine women with a then I would have dinner with this person. And it's like, why are you talking like this, you fucking jackass? Like, I want to angry, angry buy this book, but I also don't want to give this guy money. No, no, of course not. I want to hit him with a chair, but I also want to read this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to find a PDF of this book. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not giving him any money. I'm not sure. <gasps> Alexa, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> the fuck? I'd rather not answer that. anyway guys i think that's my cue to go to bed (laughs) my my electronics are like freaking haunted but like i just gave myself a headache because of this guy yeah with his stupid ass book (sighs) yep so that was it, guys. Awful, awful case. I mean, all I can say is I hope you guys enjoyed it and hope you guys really take something out of it, I guess. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, you let Carol know what you thought about her big case <laughs> in the comments. I didn't talk about why this is my big case. Yeah. Yeah. Just so this quickly is go big... over that. Go over that. So this is my big case because I saw it happening. Like a lot of these cases, it's like you see the investigation developing, you know, 
But this is something that, you know, throughout, like, it's it started on the Monday and then on the Friday. So, like, throughout, like, a whole week, you see, like, I saw all of this developing. And it's, like, it just, I remember leaving, like, a bad taste in my mouth. Like, why am I still watching this, you know? Yeah. But then, you know, I was invested in it, you know, as much as a kid can be invested in it. But, like, because this was, like, 10 years ago, you know? And I don't know. I remember being like so like upset about all this and like being mad at like why are they talking about this as if it was a good guy, whatever. And then when I started like getting more interested in true crime and I, when I had the power of you know thought to research all of this, it's like I just kept on like finding more layers and layers and layers to this and like understanding the whole thing and like the context that enables this guy to do what he did you know and how all this just keeps going on and also something that like i got completely like spooked and interested it's like how this is a 15 year old that's close to her family she is you know she's been on a long-term relationship like she's and doing the better it's not like what you picture when you like you know think about a per a kid a person that likes abusive like in a relationship you know i think it's what kind of like um flipped switch on me yeah. like realizing that this kind of thing can happen to anyone yeah you know and that's not because you're a 12 year old or 15 year old that really you're not gonna have it happen to you you know mm-hmm so That's I don't true. know. It's just so like alarming. Like everything about this case is alarming. The police, the media, the uh, societal like you know uh, inclinations that this guy has, and like the the way that everybody deals with this. What happened yeah. to Eloa? Who was Eloa? Like everything. There's like it's just so much. Like it's it's just so like complete. You know, like so many layers and so complex. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's why this is my big case. <laughs> hope that was clear enough. I don't know. I think I'm going to watch The Golden Girls to cheer myself up. Yeah. I'm so upset over this book. Like, I can't. Like, and I, of course, I opened another fucking article with his. I am done cancel today i'm probably on vacation while you're listening to this so i'm not like this this is not me stressed out in my vacation time (laughs) this is me stressed out (laughs) pre-vacation pre-vacation oh my god i wish i was traveling you already traveled now it's my turn yeah, that's true. I told you, you went on vacation, I was miserable studying. <laughs> now I go on vacation and you stay miserable. Yeah, sure. Okay, guys. Uh, until my other big case on the 100th episode. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I have some of my... Let me see. I'm checking my sticky. I have two, three big cases on my mm-hmm. sticky, so... Yeah, no, we'll we still see. have a, we still have many 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 big yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like yeah. big cases to us. But yeah. you know the, the the ones that we're attached to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So I really enjoyed uh telling you guys about this one. Yeah. Mhm. 
Yeah. Laters, right. haters. <laughs> See ya. Uh, I hope you guys have a good end of the world. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you for listening to another episode of Suspiria, a true crime podcast. If you are a creep and enjoy listening to all of that horrible information, please check out our previous episodes and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram as Suspiria Podcast. Facebook is also Suspiria Podcast. If you want to follow Carol... You can follow her at Suspiria Carol, and you can follow me at eu.steph. Note, none of us post anything interesting. We do, actually. If you have any case suggestions, feel free to drop them over at suspiriapodcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to be part of this podcast, you can also email us. We promise we won't bite. Ciao! Ciao.